Armin Watts has joined the defensive line. He is a member of the defensive line. He has been signed. And you probably don't know who he is. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. This doesn't change the starting core. This doesn't change any plans, really, you wouldn't think, for anything else. But Watts was signed by the Steelers, according to Watts' agency in a tweet late last night. And he'll join Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, I guess, DeMarvin Leal as a member of that D-line, certainly a part of their room, and likely one of those guys who's in more often than he's out. If you want to come up with a comparable for it, I would point toward Chris Wormley. Uh, Wormley was a useful player for the Steelers. Mike Tomlin trusted him, especially like the fact that he came from Baltimore, so he had that AFC North pedigree to him, and turns out just for fun, he continued to play some of his best football within the division. But don't look at this move. And for that matter, don't look at moves in general that are being made right now as having to do with the draft or as prohibiting the Steelers or even discouraging the Steelers from making other moves related to certain positions. You're going to see, I believe, from now through OTAs and maybe even all the way leading right up to Latrobe, players assigned in this mold. The reason for that, I know this part would be obvious, is that you want to create an air of competition. Actually, better than an air, you actually want to create competition at Chuck Knoll Field. You want to make sure that guys know that there isn't somebody looking over their shoulder, there's somebody next to their shoulder. They want to have guys, especially this head coach, my goodness, Mike Tomlin lives for this stuff. They want to have guys battling it out. They want to see those players very best. And that's a difficult thing to manufacture out of season, even in a training camp setting. And competition is what works. And I'd like to think we all can agree that the one area of this entire football team that's been sitting there the most lacking and the least tended to is the defensive line. I am now going to make the argument, maybe not successfully, but I'm going to give it a shot, that this remains the least tended to. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. I'm going to get greedy here. We've talked about a lot of different positions in the upcoming draft. Uh, I've even taken you on a ride, a hypothetical ride, through the potential benefits of adding a tight end. When you would think there isn't a position that you could possibly want more on this roster. But if you brought in, just to rehash that in brief, 
someone who was another Pat Fryermuth or someone in that class, your whole offense takes on a totally different look. It just does. You'd force Matt Canada to throw to the middle of the field, virtually at gunpoint. Let's start there. But beyond that, the teams have a hard time covering one tight end with all the little DBs they have squirting around in their sub packages. They have a very, very hard time matching up. But you put two of them out there and they're just hosed. They have no chance. And besides, this class, as everyone who follows the draft knows, is really rich in this regard. You are going to have impact tight ends, plural, as late as early in the second round. Impact. And I've made arguments for other positions. I've pretty much made arguments for everything other than quarterback and running back. And I could probably pull that off if I really tried. But if you strip everything else away, if everything else that's in the equation is equal, I will take the defensive lineman because I want the next cam. And that can be at 17, that can be at 32. Let's bear in mind that Cam himself was a very late first rounder out of Ohio State. A D lineman can squirt through. There's going to be the early run on quarterbacks. There's going to be a run on corners. Everyone agrees. There's going to be a run probably on those tight ends that I just mentioned. There's teams that need wide receivers. There's always wide receivers to be had. And you could just see that D-line guy squirting through there. It doesn't have to be 17 if the player at 17 isn't the best player available. It can be 32. I just have a hard time putting it off past 32. I really do. When you pay attention to the pro days, in particular the Steelers' relative participation in those, although Mike Tomlin has advised everybody to never, ever acknowledge that uh, that has any meaning whatsoever. But they've given stuff away in the past. It has value. And they've locked in on defensive linemen. There's other positions they've paid special and extra attention to, but nothing like defensive line. Just as we all saw the quarterback coming last year, just as we all saw the running back coming the year before that, this feels like the year of the defensive lineman in the draft. And I feel that the Steelers have an unusual and precious luxury this year by having 17 and 32. And for that matter, 49, but I don't want 49. I want 17 or 32 to go toward the defensive line. And if you don't, if you pass it up yet again, then you're going to be signing a whole bunch of Armin Watts guys for a lot of years to come, and it's not going to get you anywhere. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from Kevin who says, DK, do NFL coordinators ever get any 
job-related training, is there a school that Matt Canada can go to and improve his job performance? No, of course not. However, however, I like the question and I like the thinking because this, as much as I was joking about Glenn Thomas getting the offensive assistant coach job earlier in the week, is something that kind of falls in line with that. And here's what I mean when I say that. We've discussed already many times why Mike Sullivan won't get promoted to coordinator, and I believe that. It's been a long, long time since he's called plays. And if you strip away everything else about that job, the play calling is the foundation of it. Uh, Everything else is window dressing and setup toward that very specific role. You have to be able to call plays in the stadium on Sundays. But when you bring in another guy who has experience in offensive thinking and in play calling, then you might be able to assign this individual to address a shortcoming that the coordinator has. Hear me out on this. I Believe it or not, I'm not diving into the the really low-hanging fruit of just picking on Matt Canada here. But something wasn't working. Something was off. And at the same time, and please don't laugh at me for saying this, there has to be something worthwhile about Canada's work that continues to have him employed. Mike Tomlin's not an idiot, and he doesn't like losing. He puts everything that he has into winning. Might not always be the way we like it, but nobody can dispute that part, what I just said right there. So why would he keep around somebody who he thought would be detrimental to the cause? Well, it might be because he likes him doing this and this and this, whereas he doesn't like anywhere near as much the way he handles, oh, this thing over here and that thing over there. Some of that might even be boring procedural stuff. It might be his ability to communicate it. I don't know. It might be his lack of ability to adapt in-game, where you would have somebody else on hand who'd be able to assist with that, who'd be able to focus on certain facets. Do you see what I'm saying here? I'm actually not cutting the guy up for once. I'm saying that he might not have the full toolkit, but you like... I don't know, the hammer and the saw and the wrench. But the rest of it, he needs some help. So if you're the head coach and you say, for example, and this part's not hypothetical because we saw it with our own eyes, that the Steelers were actually kind of okay for the most part, certainly over the second half of the season, on their first few plays of the game. Do you remember that? The scripted plays, as they're known in football, as if they aren't all scripted. And you'd even see some ingenuity. You'd see things where you'd go, whoa, where's that been? That's a pretty neat look. But then as the game would wear on, you'd see this completely, uh, no imagination, no rhythm, just droning of calls as if he was panicking, as if he had no idea what to do next, as if he wasn't doing any reading at all of the other team's defense. Now, I know, I hear you right now. If that's the case, then go ahead and fire him. But he's not being fired. And there's a reason, again, I'll have to presume that he isn't. So if you're looking for a, 
why this assistant coach was brought in. I have a feeling it's way more that than it is, let's make sure that I have a parachute that I can pull at some point and get rid of this guy if I'm Mike Tomlin. I appreciate the question. It's a really good one. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one tomorrow, but only if you promise to stay away from the crap information that's out there.